All right, and welcome back to another episode of Rebel with a Cause. I am your host, Eric, and joining me tonight, Cotton Arcist and uh, Liberty Zero, two of the co-host of the uh, wonderful podcast, Dissecting Liberty. How's it going, guys? Good. Pretty good. Awesome. Now, I heard some uh, cans popping before I uh, started, so what are, what are we all drinking here? <laughs> so, I uh, heard that the uh, Natty Light Seltzers have six percent alcohol and uh only four carbs nice and they're very cheap well so yeah. that that sounded like a really good deal to me it's a bargain uh, it, the only downside is i'm drinking a spiked seltzer yeah. uh, <laughs> so i mean i'm i'm, I'm uh, in the uh, pursuit of um saving money i'm giving up my manliness <laughs> Yeah, we all can't buy $200 bottles of uh, scotch every day. Not every day. Yeah. About every other day. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely don't want to show the liquor store guy that you've got a problem, right? <laughs> yeah, they know. <laughs> yeah, they could tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no lie. In uh, 2004, I was buying a big, giant-ass bottle of uh, Jack Daniels like every week. And, um, Ooh. It was at the time when I was working security overnight. So I would just walk into the Walmart that was 24 hours that had a uh, liquor aisle and I would just go in there and buy it. And then finally, it's like after about a month or so of doing this, the uh, cashier is like, honey, do you have a problem? <laughs> do you realize how low you have to sink for a Walmart employee to ask if you if you need help? <laughs> for a Walmart employee to care. <laughs> yeah, wow. that's, that's true. <laughs> Damn, that's like a miracle, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really. I was yeah, drinking quite like a fish back then, so it's all good, dude. Uh, Liberty, so, wait, wait. Let, let me guess. Liberty Zero is drinking a uh, Red Bull. No, I'm saving that for later. Right now, I'm just sipping on sweet tea. Okay, that's fine. I'll allow it. And not even of the <laughs> Long Island variety. Hmm. No, no. All right. Well, I Cotton's guess I'll be, the, been... I'll be the biggest loser here. I am drinking just plain old water. <laughs> Boo! Boo. <laughs> Hydrated, uh, nerd. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys have been uh, doing the podcast thing for just a little while now. Are, are you liking it? Are you going to stick with it? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I think we got a good thing going. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's uh, definitely one of those things that it can be like the greatest hobby. And then at the same time, it, you, you feel a little bit of your soul sucking away from you when you're starting to do like news topics and everything. It's like, Oh man, now I have to really, like, really pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that we kind of avoid some of the current events uh, for, for a little bit. We did coronavirus news, but we haven't done that for what, like a month now. <laughs> I don't, I can't, I can't think back that far. I've slept a couple of times since then. Uh, <laughs> But like mostly we do uh, like deep dive stuff. All right, just kind of diving into it on something. Yeah, dive into yeah, getting into nerd stuff. Yeah, such as is a pop tart a fruit ravioli? Oh, (laughs) inquiring minds want to know. (laughs) I think I think uh, the best way I could describe a pop tart is a uh, fruit paste adjacent ravioli. Yep, there we go. Starting to fit Not technical descriptions now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty good at definitions. I can I can define things pretty well. 
Yeah. Uh, I think I've been muted by uh, Michael Malice when I was uh, going at him about the whole hot dog is a sandwich thing. So <laughs> Only muted, huh? Yeah, I, I, I don't think I have sunk to the level of cretin where he was just going to outright block me. So. <laughs> at least I can still see his tweets. He, he never responds, so it's all good. <laughs> I was probably pretty close to getting uh, blocked at one point because I – he was trolling someone and, and uh, I let him know what he was up to and he got really pissed at me. Yeah. He really does not like that at all. <laughs> yeah. This is before I, I knew, and I probably shouldn't have done it, but yeah, you know, <laughs> do stupid things sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of fun. I mean, when he starts trolling people pretty hard and then you almost want to let the person know, it's like, Hey, by the way, <laughs> just send him a DM real quick. It's like, Hey, by the way, this is the King of the trolls. <laughs> That's right. Dude, he's great. <laughs> I love following him. Yeah. So good. Um, one of his episodes where he had this uh, lady on and she had just like lost like 75 pounds in the yeah. entire interview. He's like, yeah, candy and shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> was uh, like he a- just said some of the most awful things on that episode too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like at one point, it was like, oh, well, the chat room is telling me I got shit on my face. And then he went and put Nutella all like all around his face. <laughs> <laughs> kept offering her a bag of M&Ms. She kept going, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, she was totally in on it. But uh, it was definitely uh, one of those where I, I had to pause that episode several times just so I could stop laughing so I can catch back up so I didn't miss anything. He's had a few, a few good ones like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, it was almost as good as the uh, the greatest troll that he had ever gotten was uh, from uh, oh god now I'm spacing on his name guy used to be huge now he's like all jacked and everything what's his name I'm I'm blanking he was in uh, remember the Titans. oh 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 yeah 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 uh, Randy from uh, yeah my name is Earl yeah all right well, I don't we'll know the guy's that. actual name Randy <laughs> no, I hate I hate when that happens I, like I can see the guy's face but I can't think of his name yeah. but. Uh, yeah, he had one of the great lines uh, right at the end of his episode. You know how Michael Malice does the, what was this, what was your favorite part of this interview? And then he just looks at him and goes, my welcome. <laughs> and, the, and the look on Michael Malice's face was like, uh, cut it. Just get, get rid of it. <laughs> I was like, ah, rare, rare reverse troll. But yeah, so you guys are doing like the uh, the deep dives. Any uh, particular subjects that you that you've uh, already covered or are going to cover coming up, other than the um, uh, the ailment? <laughs> well, we um we did uh our most recent ones were a, a social contract deep dive, and uh, and then we did a lessons from the French Resistance with a Matt from Status Quo. Ah, okay, yeah, Status Quo is a great great podcast as well. Uh, oh, so yeah. like World War Two French Resistance, yeah. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting history there. It was like a, um, it was like the the Vichy French. You know, we're all pretty much just like, okay, well, we're just gonna let him do this thing, and you know, we'll all keep our heads. You know, it sucks mm-hmm. to be the the poor people, I guess. And then the poor people are like, no, no, we've had about enough of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot to to get into on that one. And uh, we did quite a bit on that. I was actually, my eyes were opened up quite a bit because there was a lot I didn't know. Um, and you find out that a lot of what you learn in school or, or a lot of what you hear about in uh, popular media is actually 
propaganda, like uh, post-war propaganda. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, definitely one of those things, especially when you're doing reading as an adult, going back through some of the subjects that you covered in high school, and you're like, well, they didn't tell me, like, half of this stuff. Like, and even yeah. the stuff that they told me, yeah. most of it is wrong. It's like, one of the big ones that for me was the, oh, well, laissez-faire capitalism is what caused the Great Depression. You know? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Going back to it, it was like, no, no, quite the opposite, <laughs> really. Yep. It's like, oh, no, that Herbert Hoover, he just wanted to have his hands off the market. And then you go actually look at his policies, and it's, you know, not as bad as FDR, but it was still pretty atrocious. No, there's a lot of stuff that you learn uh, after you become a libertarian and you start reading up on this stuff or, or you uh, you hear it via podcasts or, or whatever. And, you know, it's just like, it, it's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of times where you'll just kind of sit back and you're like, it's like, okay, no, no wonder I'm all messed up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we like to joke. It's like, okay, you've literally been brainwashed since you were three, you know, <laughs> and then you kind of sit back and realize it's like, yeah, yeah, it kind of was. Oh yeah, uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot to wake up to, and uh, you know, you, you realize that you've been thinking emotionally most of your life, and and then you have to kind of settle down and think things through. Yeah. Well, it's like even um, some folks that come into the liberty movement from the Republican side and, you know, I have to kind of remind myself, I was like, okay, well, let's not beat them over the head with the Lysander Spooner quotes just yet. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, start talking to them about how the uh, Constitution was a coup. (laughs) And then they get to... Oh, oh, man, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, because they definitely don't want to hear that uh, magic parchment was uh, not so magical. Yeah, it's it's this weird, uh, I don't know, emotional attachment that people have to the Constitution. And I know I had the same thing going on. And, uh, yeah, you know, and then over time you just kind of, you lose that as a libertarian, and then you just kind of, you get to where you're disgusted with, uh, with that frame of mind. Yeah. Yeah, that could be rough. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> we all have a problem uh, in the Liberty movement about beating things over the head of uh, newcomers. And um, so I've been, I've been trying to get a little bit better about it. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the constitution is like one of those things that I was like, okay, you, you, you got to see where this particular clause, you know, referring to the commerce clause pretty much has been used as everything that the powers that should not be want to do, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. but trying to get somebody to understand that without, you know, cussing them out or anything. It's that, that's a little bit tricky. That can be a little bit tough. Oh yeah. And then, uh, when, when, when people say like, Oh, you know, if people just turn back and you know, they started following the constitution again, you know, then we'd be all right. We're like, Oh, the past, I, I don't know what, 200 years. Yeah. Uh, it has just been, you know, just a, uh, just, just the whole history of that not being the case. And, and yet you think that that's going to work. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the big thing to me is uh, people don't acknowledge like adverse incentives. Like they, they say, uh, if only people followed the constitution and uh, 
if if I'm comfortable with the person, if I if I know that I'll be okay if I get in a fight with this person, I'll say we'd be in the exact same situation we're in now because the Constitution has these incentives in place that lead us right where we are. Like we got here because we followed the Constitution in a sense, yeah. not necessarily how it was intended, but you know, I mean if if uh, everything was taken as it was intended you know we have a utopia but some things aren't as rosy as we'd like them to be yeah and uh, hindsight is always 2020 20. i mean we can always look back yeah. and say oh well you know if they would have just done this and this and this and everything would be rosy right now but um, definitely doesn't turn out to be the case and even the very first president george washington uh with the whole whiskey rebellion thing uh just kind of tells you that oh yeah this document was just going to get used in which way that the uh the ruling party at the time was going to do you know it's like we'll start instituting attacks except for the distillery that i own as president you know and then people stand up to it and it's like okay well we got to go quash this rebellion now probably didn't help things that alexander hamilton showed up to work every day in a military uniform kind of let you know what his thinking was right (laughs) Uh, you know, it's no different, you know, than from today where uh, cops that aren't following social distancing uh, guidelines and they're not wearing masks, you know, they're going to go arrest you for, for uh, you know, doing the same thing. Yeah. It just shows the hypocrisy of all that. Yeah, complete lack of self-awareness. Uh, Speaking, speak, if, if, I, if y'all don't mind, I might change the subject. Go for it. Uh, speaking of coronavirus stuff, uh technically louisiana where i am uh has entered phase one of reopening the state so like um restaurant the big thing is restaurants can open again uh with 25 percent capacity yeah and Mm -hmm. uh it's been awesome i mean this that they opened yesterday the state and uh it's been pretty cool because like every restaurant i go to is just packed and uh like big long line out front and uh i I drove by a couple of daiquiri shops and just longest line you can imagine uh every patio is packed uh and i the other thing is yesterday compared to thursday a ton of people are not wearing masks like i made the joke you know on uh what was uh the date of thursday the 14th yeah like the on the 14th it was a hell of a lot more dangerous not to wear a mask than it is on the 15th because <laughs> nobody was wearing masks. Like mm-hmm. I see very few people. And I, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, it, it kind of gives me hope that to some extent uh, things will go back to normal. And I like that at yeah. least culturally. I, I mean, like I think there are certain governmental things that are not, that will never change, but you know, if, if I can still go, to walmart and just enter through any entrance i want and don't have to walk around the whole damn building to get in i'd love that you know yeah the uh you know also here in baton rouge louisiana uh you couldn't have told that to the mexican restaurants because even before the phase one thing started like i were seeing signs out like by me padres and some of the other mexican restaurants it's like patios open (laughs) (laughs) it's like we'll put like a little makeshift bar out there I don't even think they were waiting. Yeah, I remember uh, I because uh, I was in Baton Rouge some time ago, and uh, on our way out, we uh, ate at uh, Superior. 
yeah on highland and uh and uh this was like as the coronavirus stuff was getting really bad uh lsu just closed yeah and at superior it was packed oh yeah just chock full of people i'm sure yeah oh yeah and it was great i mean i nobody got sick obviously or at least nobody in my crew uh but it was pretty awesome i know the the uh i'm sure the management was quite happy yep um i have been a little bit glad that they some of the places have stayed open at least for pickup and delivery yeah because i know uh some of the like the local mom and pop restaurants around here i mean the margins are so thin on them it's like the only thing that they got really going for them i mean come on let's face it louisiana we got some of the best food in the world (laughs) Mm -hmm. but for us it's all service you know who which waiter is better than the other and you know that's that's a little bit tough especially if you're a mom and pop shop and you only got to keep like one or two waitresses on just to do orders and everything so but i'm I'm glad some of them stuck around Uh, of course there's a few places that closed down and probably for good but them's the bricks yeah i was reading on a zero hedge today that at least uh, this one company that kind of tracks stuff like that was uh, they were predicting 25% of all restaurants will close down. Yeah. That probably sounds just about a, right. Yeah. It's yeah. a crazy number, you know? I mean, I, I just think that's super sad considering all the work that people are having to put into, you know, these businesses and, you know, they're already on the, on the edge uh, under normal conditions. And then, you know, you get something like this and, you know, you have all that work and it's just, it's all gone. So. Yeah. Well, especially the type of employees that restaurants usually employ, uh, you know, most of the line cooks and, um, and bus, uh, staff that I've ever met, they're all like former felons, you know, they have all been released yeah. recently released. So that usually is, you know, may not be the job that they want to do once they get out of the prison, but it's sometimes the only job that they can get hired for. And then uh, waitresses, I, you want to talk about, you can be hired fresh off the street with no skills whatsoever and earn a halfway decent living that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and now, now where are they going to go after this? So lots of, right, uh, well, lots of moving around of the unseen hand, you know? Yeah. And it seems like a lot of them are, incentivized to not go back to work uh with the government you know unemployment checks coming in a lot of people you know it like half of the people that, that are getting those are actually making more just because yeah. they're you know paying them the average yeah they they ended up getting a lot more than they would just regular straight working and then i was even reading like a transcript of one of the speeches that was given on the uh the house floor and they're saying well we need to reduce this you know because people aren't going to want to go back to work and I was like, okay, well, still, <laughs> you know, they could probably find some side gig and still probably make a, a crap ton of money because it's just, you know, you're just uh, incentivizing someone just to sit at home for the most part mm-hmm. of the day. And I mean, if we wanted to do that, uh, I guess, uh, you know, let's throw a couple thousand dollars a month out there at them, you know, just <laughs> keep it up. Well, I think it's hilarious that like half of the libertarian presidential candidates support UBI. Yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> I mean, well, if, if not there's one any of them reason, because Justin Mosh just dropped out. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Thank God. 
Yeah, I was like, I was reading a little bit of that, and I was like, because uh, that happened uh, just before I got Brian McWilliams on uh, a couple hours ago, and uh, he was saying, he was like, yeah, he basically said it's too hard. <laughs> yeah. do, do, do you think uh, Justin Amash is the libertarian uh, Mike Bloomberg? Uh, maybe. I, I think he was thinking that it was just going to get handed to him on a silver platter, yeah. and uh, that he was just going to run with it, but you know, you get on to MSNBC because you're already a sitting, what is he, a senator or a congressman? Congressman. Yeah. yeah. So you've already got a little bit of juice with the press and you've already caved into the Trump, uh, Trump derangement syndrome with the whole Russiagate thing. Um, yeah. And then you kind of just screw it up. You know, <laughs> he's like, well, you know, we need to take a look at these bills. You know, we shouldn't be giving these people this money this easy. <laughs> We're like, yeah, the libertarian <laughs> message is... Taxation is theft. Come on, buddy. Yeah, get on board. Yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah. I think whoever does get picked uh, in this online convention thing that they're going to be having here in the next couple of weeks, they better do a damn good job of doing the message because there ain't no way a third party is going to win this year. So, no. Yeah, I I think the press has done everything that they could to make Trump look like a evil monster. And instead, you've just basically just shored up his base because they're going to vote for him even harder this time. I can see that. And I, I just really want the libertarian candidate, even though I, I'm not involved at all with the LP. And yeah. so I don't really get a say in this. But if I did get a say, like I would hope that the the candidate would just be out here, you know, pointing out what exactly the the government did to um, you know, just screw up the economy, uh, you know, lengthen this whole process out and, and, you know, just, you know, all the lies that they're, they're telling stuff like that. Uh, and, uh, but not, but not, uh, do it in a way that emphasizes, Oh, Donald Trump's the worst guy in the world. Yeah. Uh, cause I mean, like, like you're saying, it's just, it, you're pissing off Trump supporters, when you blame him for everything and like you said, they're just going to vote harder. But, you know, if you can bring that message to, to them in a way where it's more reasoned and uh, yeah, just more reasoned, more uh, logical and not that something that's going to strike them in that, that emotional uh, spot where they're just going to uh, kind of resist what you're trying to, you know, they're just going to get, get upset and, and, and resist what you're trying to tell them. Uh, you're going to get more people that way. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with this whole Tara Reid thing with uh, Joe Biden, you know, it's, Oh yeah. I couldn't even believe half of the tweets I was seeing about that. It's like, I believe Tara, but I'm still going to vote for Biden anyways. And you're like, Oh my God. Whoa, 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 whoa. You accused Trump of being this horrible sexual assaulter when he said, grab him by the pussy to another guy in a bus by themselves. I was like, this guy literally did that and more, but you're still going to you know, vote for him. <laughs> it's just wild. Yeah, it's completely crazy. And of course, that tweet did get ratioed out the wazoo. It was, uh, it was actually <laughs> kind of fun to see. I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're about ready to eat a whole bunch, a whole plate of shit on this one. So, <laughs> you know, that's got to be yeah, bad when I, uh... you send out a crappy tweet like that. And then you got to mute your own thread. I, I, I do wonder how many people aren't going to be voting for Biden, though. I mean, assuming he's going to be the nominee at, at the end of all this, uh, 
I know that my fiance, like she is more Democrat, I guess, than Republican, but she's somewhat apolitical. Uh, but she really just does not like Trump, just really hates Trump. She thinks he's just, you know, disgusting. And uh, I mean, I don't really like him either, but, uh, but anyway, what I was trying to say is that uh, she, uh, you know, she would love to vote against Trump, but at this point she's probably just not going to vote because yeah, I, I've told, you know, I've told her about what was going on, like the, Biden's history of just being a creep and, and stuff like that. And she's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to vote for guys likely to be a pedophile. And, you know, now this sexual, <laughs> you know, assault. Then you guy. literally cannot vote ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you don't want to vote for pedophiles. You cannot vote. Yeah. Even yeah well, in maybe the, maybe uh, that's my strategy. <laughs> yeah. Even in the, uh, the last election, it was like if uh, no vote was an actual candidate, it would have won by a landslide. It was was like so many million more votes, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, nobody wants to take away that, that lesson out of it. It was like, yeah, there's a lot of people who just don't do it. They're able to, but they just don't, which is fine. I'm an anarchist. I'm okay with you not voting. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, I'm an anarchist. I'm fine with you not voting. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be picking your uh, your next slave master just because he's you know ten percent better than the other guy. Yeah, it's silly thinking. All right, well let's just uh, put a pin in that. And we'll come right back. Hey y'all! Before we get back into it, I just want to tell you about a new podcast I learned about. It's called the Porcupine Perspective. Check them out. Porcupine P O V dot dot com. All right, now that we've paid some of the bills around here, now back to the interview. The one thing that I've encouraged, uh, that I've been encouraged uh, seeing lately, is that a lot of people, it seems, are considering homeschooling their kids after seeing what a crappy job that uh, all all the public school, uh, the online classes and stuff like that. They're, yeah. they're realizing, hey, this isn't so hard, and I could actually, pro- I, I could probably do a better job. Especially if you don't have a job to go back to, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now you're going to have a whole bunch of free time on your hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, those polls uh, should definitely illustrate to people that you know this. You know, schooling at home. Number one, they're not all religious kooks, because that was yeah. the thing in the '90s. I was like, oh, well, they're <laughs> all religious kooks, and the the kids are going to be weird because they don't hang out with other kids, as if you know they don't have neighbors to go play with, right? That dude, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you were homeschooled. And you yeah, yeah. You weren't properly socialized. You you still pee on the carpet and stuff. <laughs> uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, hey, I became a libertarian for a reason. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, it's all the silly arguments on that. It's, and then uh, what was it? A professor at Harvard or something? I was like, well, homeschooling should be illegal. Okay, thanks, Karen. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And then she just went down chapter and verse of all those old tired arguments. It was like, well, they, you know, they're religious people. I was like, okay, well, people have found that the homeschooling materials that during this uh, self-imposed house arrest that we all got put under, they're finding, yeah, uh, quite a chunk of it is not religious in nature at all. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the same, you know, math, science, history, and everything else that some of the school kids will get and, as long as they're in like a really rich neighborhood. But, uh, yeah, and- yeah, I know somebody that is uh, he 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 doesn't have a child in the the public or the uh, homeschooling system, but he is very uh, tight 
with the community. And uh, he is not a religious person. I think he would describe himself as agnostic. Right. But uh, he he loves the homeschooling community. I mean, he, he goes to conferences and the, he, he describes them uh, something like uh, it, it seems like um, uh, like a Bible bookstore or something. Right. A, uh, like a church bookstore. And uh, but he says it's just nice people and everyone's incredibly kind. Everyone they're very clean and wholesome and everything, but uh, just a great group of people and not incredibly overbearing like they were said to be in the 90s, you know. Yeah, I mean, in my experience, uh, I did really well with homeschooling. Uh, it teaches you you know, as long as you do it right, it teaches you to study by yourself. And honestly, that's the biggest uh, key to success if you actually want to learn stuff. Uh, and I did really well uh, when I took college classes. I uh, the, the one thing I, I never uh, I never had like a comparison. So I didn't know, know how smart I was uh, compared to other people. Uh, but then when I actually started taking college classes. I realized, wait, like this is really not that hard. It, it, so I'm just saying it like it, it made it a lot easier for me <laughs> when, uh, <laughs> when yeah. I actually started taking college classes and I'm like, well, oh, this isn't, this isn't bad. And, yeah. I, I was, uh, in the public school system all throughout my childhood and I had to learn how to study at like 19 years old. Mm-hmm not a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was in the same boat, did the, the whole government school thing. And then afterwards was where I found, I was like, I was like, Oh, I could have been reading stuff this whole time that didn't bore the pants off of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the issue with me was, uh, I would do like, I would do intellectual pursuits, but they were never in line with what I was doing in school. Right. And it was always something that was ahead of my time. Like I would be doing uh, whatever the second algebra is in high school. I don't know. It's It's been a while uh, since then. But like I would be taking that class. But instead of studying, I'd be like looking at philosophy or something else. Yeah. I'd be reading like a pretty heady book uh, for uh, how old I was. And uh my parents were kind of put in a tough situation. Uh, the school didn't like me because I got bad grades, but my parents knew that I was not stupid. And th that's a very common uh, occurrence in the school system. Yeah. You know, a, a child gets bad grades, but it's because they are doing other incredibly beneficial things uh, related to education and learning outside of whatever the school's trying to get them to learn. Like I remember I took a class where I had to learn the different types of clouds. And I cannot tell you how much I did not care and still do not care <laughs> about the different types of clouds. Oh. I was like, I mean, it was like a, I took it for a science and it was like one of the easiest sciences I could take. And it was, had like a lot of meteorology stuff. But man, I was like reading at the time, like I made a C in the class, but I was reading all about Locke and, and, uh, oh, I forget the, uh, uh, Jean Piaget, a, a psychologist. And 
and a lot of that is has informed where I am at the moment. But uh, as far as like uh, uh, schooling and profession goes, but uh, like the <laughs> I graduated high school with a uh, the lowest possible GPA to graduate. <laughs> When I got to college, my first semester of college, I had a 4.0, and I carried that the majority of the way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I tell that to some people that when they defend public school systems, and it's anecdotal evidence, fair enough, but you can't deny though. it's still evidence, exactly. But yeah. and, and you can't deny how often you hear that. Uh, like, I hear that fairly often. And then part of the thing is children – that go to public schools and have a similar experience to me, but don't have, like my, my parents were great in that they supported my extracurricular, my, uh, uh, reading and studying outside of what I did in school to a certain extent. Uh, but then like a parent that punishes that because all they look at are the grades that their child is getting in school. Uh, that child thinks they're dumb, you know, because they're getting C's and D's. And they're really interested in something else, you know, but they are not allowed to explore that something else because they're making bad grades in school and they think they're dumb and uh, they end up working at a gas station for the rest of their life, you know? Yeah. And it harms. It just harms. Yeah. I had a pretty similar situation. Uh, I hated doing homework. So mm-hmm. my grades were always like kind of right there in the middle because I tested very well. So, so like the, during the parent teacher conferences and everything it was like, well, he, he makes like perfect hundreds on his test, but I have no homework to show that he actually understands this material. And, you know, and then you had, you know, parents were like, well, you know, well, I guess we'll try to buckle him down and get him to do some homework. And I hated doing homework because when I came home from school, the last thing I wanted to do was sit down for five more hours to do some yeah. mundane task. <laughs> I would rather go play guitar or go run around and do stuff in the woods. You know, it was, I was like, I, d- I don't want to sit here anymore. I've sat down all day. I'm done. I have energy, you know, I'm riddled with ADHD that I don't get medication for. I have to go do something. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the other thing, uh, for like why public schooling is particularly harmful to uh, young boys because they just have this abundance of energy. And then they are expected to not only sit there for however many hours school day is, but then afterwards to sit there for even longer and do homework. Right. Now, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a contentious thing, but that is a hell of a lot easier for girls than it is for boys. And when boys don't do it, when they do what boys do and roughhouse and play and want to be active, uh, they're told they're failing at school and they're, they're if they don't, you know, uh, uh, do better. They're not going to have a good life and they're not going to get a good career and everything. So they're punished for doing what is in their nature. Yeah. And, uh, like I, I forget within the past two years, I convinced a family member, an extended family member that schooling is, uh, 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 child abuse. And, uh, they were not with me at the beginning, but then I explained that. Yeah. And, and I explained that, for boys in particular, it's not healthy for girls either, but for boys, it, it uh, goes directly against their nature. And then part of this is, you know, you know how uh, nowadays there's no such thing as gender. That's just made up and everything. <laughs> yeah. Gender is a uh, social construct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, 
so that for like a a small portion of the population but a portion nonetheless that argument doesn't even work because you know boys are raised to blah 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 uh but no that's bullshit boys are boys and they have a uh a, a certain collection of needs that are different there's a lot of overlap but they do have a portion that are different than young girls and they need to be uh that those needs need to be uh uh, uh fulfilled because if they don't you get uh simpery in my opinion <laughs> um and or, or similar things you know and uh all right i'm gonna get off my soapbox now that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, fine that's fine that's what, that's why we do the podcast like do you have a soapbox to stand on yeah this is my bread and butter yeah this is I, what i so I think a lot of this, we just need to kind of look back and turn back the clock, you know, a couple thousand years and try to discern what our ancient ancestors were doing with little boys. And, yeah. you know, you start looking at the history of that and it's like, okay, well, you know, they were learning how to hunt. They were learning how to build stuff. You know, all of the things that they were going to be expected to do one that once they were on their own, not to sit still all day long and get lectured to. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, I, on dissecting Liberty, I have, mentioned this book countless times uh and now i'm going to do it on your podcast yeah go for it <laughs> uh uh f.a hayek wrote a book called the fatal conceit and in my opinion i believe it to be a better book than the road to serfdom uh, Ooh, bold statement fatal, yes i mean the road to serfdom is a very good book but there are a lot of similar books that were written at the time yeah is not incredibly original it's very good it is definitely one of the best of that uh little niche that uh people like uh mises took advantage of at the time as well yeah but the fatal conceit is basically about human nature and the consequences of trying to subvert it and uh that is the fatal conceit like he 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 thinks that the intellectuals try to convince young people that they can go against nature they can change nature and they can forge their own path uh and f.a hayek believed that to be impossible which i agree and when you try i mean like his big example is socialism like you know you, you try to enact socialism against uh things in nature such as scarcity yeah and when that happens millions of people die so he tries to tell you that human nature is not something to be trifled with. And when you do, there are major consequences. Yeah. So, and it's a great book. Yeah. So newsflash for all of the, uh, lefty progressive, uh, socialist types out there. Uh, humans do actually like to compete with each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that goes yeah. far back into the past when, you know, man was dragging his knuckles in the Serengeti. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It's like yeah. It's like oh, you got you got that animal right there. Well, look at this one. It's bigger. And th- and that's the other thing about uh, boys is like they thrive off competition. Yeah, you know, but but they are children are incentivized to not compete. You yeah. know, because you're you're perfect the way you are, and everybody needs to have self esteem and blah blah blah. Uh, but boys thrive through competition. Yeah. And back to the point that you were making earlier about, uh, 
you know, how our ancestors, they raised their kids by, you know, teaching them, spending time with them and teaching them. Uh, you don't see that today. Um, what I think, in my opinion, like adolescence is a created um, stage in like human develop it, development. Oh, yeah. There's um, the whole this, psychologist out there that say, look, we're infantilizing teenagers to still mm-hmm. be children. Yeah. You know, you, yeah, and, you, you do have to treat them like adults. Right. And when you have people in school, you know, most they're, they're 15,000 hours, right. Yeah. From the, you know, preschool to, to high school. Uh, what you're doing a lot of times is um, you have the, you have adults being um, these, these authority figures that will do a lot to, you know, kind of ruin your life and you don't, actually learn to interact with them in a positive way in like a normal way. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you, you end up with, uh, you know, people who are, you know, they have to figure all that out and it, it takes way longer than it should. Where, whereas, you know, in, in a, I guess less advanced and I'm using air quotes here society, you know, you don't see that because they're around people all day. They, they learn to interact with adults. Uh, and, and they learn from adults and, you know, I, you know, I'd say that we definitely have not, that, that's one of the areas in, in which, uh, we've probably, re- well, no, definitely regressed, uh, here in, in the U S and, you know, different Western countries, et cetera. Yeah. Not a whole lot of, uh, leading by example going on. Right. Yeah. Cause also, you know, little kids are sponges, <laughs> you know, that they're, yeah. they're going to see exactly what you're doing and, to a certain extent, they'll emulate that because they're, you know, you can say they're designed by that and their genetics. <laughs> That's how they understand how, how to navigate the world is, you know, through you. And so sometimes mm-hmm. they hold up that mirror to you and it's like, oh yeah, I am kind of being a dick about that. <laughs> I might want to stop. But, uh, well, like think about what you do when you're in a situation, uh, when you don't know what's going on. Like, say you're at a, uh, like a rowboat competition and you've been asked to be on a rowboat and uh, you've had no time to prepare, right? You're going to be looking at people to see what exactly you do, you know? And then, so in that situation, you don't know how to engage in a rowboat competition. Think of little kids. In general, they just do not know. Right. You know what I mean? So, of course, they're going to be uh, just these incredible sponges of information. And then, like, part of the the, uh, dying of that is a bit of an information overload because they have observed so much. They know so much by this point that uh, they think they know a bit more than they do. You know, like, they they know a lot more of the basics. So, like, what what they – and this begins, like, in uh, adolescence, the teenage years. So they, uh, they, if they do soak up some information, it becomes more specialized and it's not as general. All right. right. I, okay. I went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fine to go down rabbit holes. You just got to make sure that you come out the other side sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where I was going with that. So I, I had to do a hard stop. <laughs> well, you kind of threw me off when you said rowboat and I'm like, I only know about pirogues. that might have been a bad example (laughs) i mean like a better example might be like you're uh you're asked to help somebody that's welding 
You know what I mean? Because oh, yeah. I mean, for me, at the very least, I know nothing about it. I would be uh, kind of helpless initially, you know. But I, I, I assume I could observe enough to get by and still need help and stuff. But you know, I, I could observe, which is what kids do. Yeah, high school shop class has definitely taught me don't get behind a welder because my beads are ugly. So, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, you don't know what you don't know. And um, sometimes that's a a little bit tough to see a kid, you know, to have a kid see their parents not know what's about to happen or what to do next, you know, but um, you know, that's when you have to kind of lead by example, reach out and ask somebody. It's like, Hey, I don't know. Can you help me with this? Because sometimes the kids will see that and it's like, oh, I could have been asking things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, something that's kind of been striking me at work lately is we have a – so I'm a, I'm a machinist, and um, basically I uh, do programming, and I set up on these machines to run parts, mostly metal parts. And uh, we have a couple of new guys – and I, so I've been teaching them and I'm doing the exact opposite of what happened with me when I first started in this career. And what, what happened when I first started was, uh, I was shown how to do stuff, but I was never allowed to actually do it until like later. Yeah. That's rough. (laughs) Yeah. And so I've been making a very conscious effort to not just be like, uh, okay, here's how you do it. And, you know, you know, just whiz through it. Cause I'm practiced with it. You know, instead I'm like, okay, what are you, what are you going to do now? You do it. You press the button, you, you know, write this program and like their development, the, the development of these uh, two coworkers uh, that I've been training has been so much faster than what it was for me just because I, I've, I've taken this route with them instead of uh, just, you know, it's kind of like in the classroom, you know, you can study as much as you want, but unless you actually go do it, uh, you're not, (laughs) it's going to take you longer than it should. Yeah. Even when I was in, um, in technical college learning how to do uh, drafting and design, uh, you know, they would like to give you that introductory course about, the different type of learners out there is like, well, some people can read something and then they can learn it. And some people can, you know, hear something and they'll learn it. And some people can just observe and they can learn it. And some people learn by actually doing it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I think it's actually a combination of all of those. Yeah. Cause I don't think any one person is a visual learner versus somebody who has to have hands on or anything like that. I think it's just a combination of all of those. Yeah. Uh, that is true. Like nobody is a visual learner, but I will say this much. Um, I hate to bring back the gender thing, but (laughs) men are a lot more, um, men are better at visual, uh, things while women tend to be better at conceptual things. That is why you see more, um, Oh wait, no, no, that's that's not true. Oh yeah, I was about. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> no, it, it's not. It's not incredibly backwards. Men are tend to be better at, uh, uh, like, 
3D things. That's why you have a lot more men engineers, right? Um, but I don't know if there is a uh, a uh, a difference in conceptual knowledge, but women are better at like compassionate things. That's why you see a hell of a lot more women in uh, like nursing and, and psychology and things like that. But mm -hmm. uh, so, but just for like an individual being a visual learner or an auditory learner, uh, that's not incredibly true. It may be true that some people lean a certain way, but uh, there's no way to know as things stand right now. <laughs> uh, man, teaching is just so far behind. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I took a class recently on teaching. It was like a, a base level, uh, teaching class. And, uh, I was incredibly disappointed and a lot of things made sense to me after taking that class is, uh, it was nonsense. Like one of my favorite things, it made me laugh yet. It was sad that the professor said was, uh, make a good learning environment. And I'm like, all right, how do we do that? But he just moved on, you know, <laughs> like that, that's, that, that's what they do. They don't really, they, they don't know. So they don't explain how to do these things they're telling you to do. They don't know. Yeah. And, uh, they, they just leave it to the devices of these kids and then people in education, which I am not, uh, they, the, I forget, man, I forget where I read this. Um, I'll see if I can find it, but, uh, the ones that do not thrive, the ones with lower testing scores tend to get further in the field. I forget mm. why. Uh, I mean, that is rife with conspiracy, you know, yeah. but it, it's weird that that the people that end up like getting their, I don't know what it is in other States, but in Louisiana, you have to have a master's degree, I think, uh, to be like a high school teacher or something. But those that get that far tend to have lower averages than, uh, ones that like are not accepted in the grad school with the same major and the same intent. Yeah. I guess there's a, uh, big difference in willingness and, you know, cause I think a, um, a young person who's wanting to go into teaching because they actually uh, have a passion for it. And sure, they may not have like a master's degree in education, um, but they tend to be better teachers than those who have, you know, basically spent their entire adult life in a, uh, in college for something. And yeah. A little bit of a disconnect when they come out of it. Yeah. The people that learn less about teaching are better teachers than the ones that learn more about teaching. Right. <laughs> Well, I even see that with uh, people who's got uh masters in business administration. Oh yeah. Yeah. They'll come out there with all of their heads filled up with the stuff that they read about in their books, but actually engaging in practice of, you know, dealing with employees, you know, trying to get certain objectives done, you know, they have like the bedside manner of a mortician sometimes, you know, it's uh -huh. like, it's like, come on, you know, you, just, you got people to deal with. You're not very good at dealing yeah. with people. Every, every successful business person, that has an MBA I've ever met said that getting the MBA was a, was the biggest waste of time. Right. Cause it, it didn't really prepare them for anything. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's like a resume thing. It's an incredibly expensive, time-consuming box on your resume, you know, and that's about it. Yeah, it's pretty much the uh, the same thing for uh, my drafting degree, you know, because, uh, what was it, 50 years ago, you went to be an apprentice drafter at some company learning how to draw things. And, you know, granted, that was all by hand. You had to use a, you know, a drafting table and pencils and erasers and everything. But you you still had to learn how to do that. And that wasn't yeah. something you went to school for. You basically just got hired right out of high school. And then all of a sudden we decided, oh, well, we need paper. We, we need to show that you know how to do this. And it's like, OK, well, <laughs> I'll just let the work speak for myself. You know, there's even some folks that I know today who don't have like an associates in drafting. It's just they've been doing it. Because they got hired right off of the spot. Yeah. So, not really a prerequisite. But, uh, yeah, pretty nuts. But, hey, what are you going to do? That's life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's a uh, good place to leave it off at until next time. Uh, do you guys have any uh, plugs you want to drop? Um, yeah, you can. Go ahead, Sean. Uh You can please follow our Twitter it is uh, dissecting Libby. We couldn't get dissecting Liberty, so we got <laughs> dissecting Libby. It's spelled D I S S E C T I N G L I B Y. And from there, you can find our uh, our independent Twitters. Mine is a lot better than Zero's, but you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, please uh, join our Discord. It's. Uh, officially the number two liberty discord in existence behind burning boots um <laughs> and uh i think that's it right now yeah as far as yeah. discord servers go i think mine's probably all the way at the bottom of the list so it's all good <laughs> <laughs> man we got a pretty jumping one <laughs> Well, that's good. As long as you guys are getting an engagement. I like to get onto Discord and lurk and then not comment on anything. So I'm oh, man, those types. you'll love ours. <laughs> we, got, we, we, got, we have some crazy discussion. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks a lot for uh, playing along for a little bit. Uh, wish you guys all the best. Hopefully you keep the, the uh, podcast up and I hope those numbers will go up. Uh, but anyways, guys, uh, take it easy. We'll uh, catch you around next time, okay? All right. Good all talking right. to you. Yep. Yeah. All right, folks, and there they go, Dissecting Liberty. A great little podcast. Uh, both of those accounts are um, well worth the, uh, the follow. Uh, it's, uh, we have a pretty wild time there on Twitter. But uh, if you guys could, uh, check out those links down below in the show notes. And while you're down there, I have different ways to support this podcast. Uh, i got the Patreon and the Subscribe Stars and the Float and cash app and paypal i've got all those different kinds of ways i even have a store that i sell merch at well i say sell i haven't really actually made any sales in the last couple of months but i'm hoping to turn that around so if you could check out the teespring store buy a shirt buy a coffee mug i have a childerberg mug up there i've got the crazy new cars eve shirt up there where we all changed our uh, twitter handles to car campus just to mess with them a little bit <laughs> But anyways, guys, take it easy. We'll see you guys around for the next episode of Rebel with a Cause. Out.